The topics discussed in this show may be triggering or harmful for some listeners. We tackle topics of suicide, self-harm, violence, child abuse, and death. Our hope is that even if you aren't able to listen to the whole story, that you can join us for the first 15 to 30 minutes where we catch up and gossip about our lives and the world. We will be intentional on marking where triggering information may be, as well as having timestamps in our episode descriptions for those topics. Thank you. Welcome to the Best Friends Guide to Money and Murder. Hello. I'm that's Claire. Claire. Oh my gosh. Damn it. I'm Claire. And that's Caroline. It's me. It's me, girl. How's it going? Good. Happy one month of podcast releases. Oh my God, shut up. Are you serious? We've released four now because we're recording when four comes out. Oh, I love that. Hi. That's fun. We did it. We sure did. For a month. And we haven't and we haven't stopped. I'm surprised. People are listening. We love that. Do we know how many people? Should I like look it up? I know we've gotten over a hundred listens combined. We have 115 plays. Yay! Yay, thanks to everyone that's listened and is coming back. Do you know anybody in Australia or the United Kingdom, ma'am? Like, what the heck? Hello, pals? Welcome. I don't know. DM us on Instagram or something. Yeah. Email us or something. I want to know who you are. I want to say hi. Yeah. I want to know where you are in the United Kingdom. Yeah. That's so awesome. Also, shout out to not only the 18 to 22 club, but the 60 plus club of age range because y'all are the bee's knees. Heck yeah. We love having all new friends. Claire and I need more friends. So... Uh, we sure do just I love a little shout out that's so fun though I didn't, wow I'm not gonna process that for a really long time so also thank you to all of the variety of different states mm. that are listening mm-hmm. I, I think our so Kansas is our top listen and then I think Michigan has like 16% of our listeners 46% is in Kansas and then Michigan Michigan. That's what I'm wondering. I don't have anybody. You know anybody in Michigan? Detroit is the most. Hi, Detroit. Hi, pals. I don't know who lives in Michigan. Um, love you so much. And every other state in there, because there's a bunch of others. Oh yeah, we just appreciate everybody. When there's people we don't know, we're like, um, hello, hello. Oh my gosh, I have to, I have to say something. Uh, so Eric and I were watching. Um, I think it's the Cosmos with Carl Sagan. Is that his name? Sure. Yes. And so I'm going to sound like an idiot for the next 30 seconds. I don't want anyone to make fun of me. But do you know what Saturn's rings are composed of? Isn't it like gas and dust and space stuff? Tiny moons. (gasps) Tiny moons. That's precious. I almost... Maybe there are a lot of other factors for this, but I almost started crying. I love small things, just small little yeah. petite little thing. So the thought of Saturn having tiny moons is precious. It's precious. We were also talking about how, like, what's the difference between, like, there's so many planets. I'm like, what's the difference? <laughs> Again, big brain time. What's the difference between a planet and a star? I think it's the size. 
Because I think that's where Pluto. It's like anything that's not a star is a planet, apparently. Huh. That could be wrong. I don't know. Like, but like my whole brain hurts and I was not, I did not come to have my brain hurt at 11 o'clock at night when we were watching it. I had, I made him turn it because it's like my, my head hurts, man. There was one time and it was like not too long after me and Taylor started dating, maybe a month or two in, we were watching, it was one of our like month anniversaries. We had heard really good things about, it was some, I don't know the case specifically, but I know a lot of people do, mm-hmm. where the girl gets kidnapped by her neighbor and then gets like re-kidnapped. Abducted know? in plain sight. Yeah, I've seen it. I'll cover it probably at some point. Yeah, so someone was recommending it to us. We watched it and then it went like really dark really fast, which I don't know why yes. we didn't expect that. And we were <laughs> like, I don't know, we kind of came here for like a good time. And so we switched and watched the Flat Earther documentary. As you should. At the only correct thing to do after that is that. We pivoted hard. That sounds amazing. Uh, so how was your week? It was really good. We got yeah. tickets to the virtual Sundance, which was Aww. started last week and finished mm-hmm. on Wednesday. And we saw so many good movies. Coda was probably my favorite. Okay. It has Marley Matten in it. You're saying all these things to me. And I love you, but over my head. But keep talking. I know nothing. (laughs) It's okay. The movie centers around a high school girl. Mm -hmm. Her whole family is deaf and she's hearing. Mm -hmm. And so it's kind of that dynamic. And they're in a small fishing town and she likes to sing. Oh God, it's so cute. That sounds so cute. That's fun. It was so good. And it was so encouraging. They let the filmmaker introduce the movie before you watch it and there was so many women and BIPOC creators Aww. most of our movies we watched were women directed yes yes love it I love it love it amazing so it was just it was a lot of fun and we got to watch a lot of great movies so today first of all my week super busy um I Oh, I'm a terrible friend. I didn't even ask. That's okay. Uh, you're not a terrible friend. I will punch you. Okay. It's on site. Okay. Okay. So um, I'm an adult. Um, I basically had to restructure the way I've been doing things at my job for three years due to just one thing that I uh, have challenges with. So I made, with a little bit of Eric's help, two spreadsheets that I'm very proud of in Excel in terms of my clients, what's needed in terms of regular case management forms, and then what's needed for the other part of the job that I do. So there's two spreadsheets. Pretty proud of them. I'm also working on a training um, with one of my other coworkers for something for a different department. So I made my own timeline. Oh, wow. Did you know you can make a time? I figured out why well, I looked it up, but I also just like figured it out too. You can make timelines in, or like your own graphics in Google Docs. Oh, and I know how to do it now. So if you ever need help or need to know how to do it, you call me, sweetie, because I know how to now. And it's very fun. I'm proud of you. Thank you. So I did that. So it's just been like a lot of like figuring out Excel this week. So now you can actually put that you know how to use Excel like on your resume? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Cause I spent, I've had, so I have, now just one beautiful spread well two but one beautiful spreadsheet this single spreadsheet took me 
seven different tries to get where I wanted, which sounds like Caroline, like, come on, like seven. Yes, seven, because you print it out first time and it doesn't come up in one page. And the way that I needed it formatted was I needed her to be one page. Yeah. It was very frustrating. It's so complicated. So I was like, fuck, I need to make another fucking spreadsheet. Yeah. So I did that. Then I go home and show Eric how proud I am of said spreadsheet. There's this one specific area and he's like, you know, you could probably like do this instead. I'm like, damn it. You're right. So the next day <laughs> I changed one that was like one, one column into like four different columns. Wow. Cause it was better looking and it yeah. made more sense. I am proficient in the Excel. Wow. I will now be accepting applications for if you need Excel help. Just but okay, so today we are doing something very exciting because we find it exciting. So that means it's exciting. We are doing a story together. <gasps> which is fun. Yeah. I think it's exciting. I think it's exciting. We've wanted to do this in our original like thinking for this podcast. We wanted to have episodes that were different sometimes and join together on some of like the bigger, like more prolific or unsolved things that like murders and stuff like that that happen. So today we are covering Jack the Ripper. (gasps) And it is a wild ride. Also, if you think you know the story, stay tuned because I found something that's what prompted this us doing this specific story. So just a disclaimer, as we always do. Oh man, do not listen to this whole story if you cannot, or if it's hard to listen to stories about um, mutilation. Yeah, mutilation. I was going to say female mutilation, specifically slashing of different appendages organs slewn about places that should not be put about uterus is missing like just like buckle in like this is rough buckle in pals maybe finish eating before you listen still drink your iced coffee because you're gonna need something you're gonna need a coping mechanism for this and you're definitely going to need a blanket and you're definitely going to want to watch a flat earther documentary after this yeah (laughs) okay so now we go on to our favorite part of the podcast which is sources yay we cite our sources here because we don't want to get sued we don't want to plagiarize plagiarizing is bad children so this is a big since this is a big um story a lot of sources. So we have the good old Wikipedia, Wikipedia and a couple different articles um, talking about suspects, talking about their, his victims. We also have something from like the Rolling Stone did one. There is this um, place called Strawberry Tours, strawberrytours.com slash London. Um, and they talk about the five most likely subset, like suspects for Jack the Ripper. I talk about, or I listen to a podcast called Serial Killers, which is by Parcast. I also watch a YouTube video on by the Smithsonian Channel called The Missing Evidence, Jack the Ripper. We also have like history.com did, a, did an article as well. And then there's also a website called the jacktheripper.tour.com. Love to see it. And I think I have a few more sources in here, but we'll get into that. So 
Jack the Ripper, here's what we know. The murders happened in and around Whitechapel in London between April 1888 to February 1890-1891. is technically said to be potentially 11 different murders, which were included in like the London investigation, which have been known as the Whitechapel murders, but there's five specific murders we can definitively know were by Jack the Ripper. And those are the canonical five. So let's set the scene, shall we? We shall. Great. It's the 1880s. Not a fun time. I was going to say my favorite year. Oh, your favorite? Oh, okay. I don't know. Really? I don't know. I don't think it's going to be after I... uh... Describe the 1880s to you, my love. <laughs> Learn me some knowledge. Learn you some knowledge. So, like I said, not a fun time. A lot of people were getting into alcoholism, which we'll see a lot here. Which, can we blame them? No, we cannot. Nope. Um, there was a... No, we cannot. And we won't. We won't. Um, there was a lot of poverty... And different areas of London and of England, all that stuff, were separated between poor and rich, which we, like, really do still see today, but, like, this was pretty severe. There were these places called DOS houses, which were places that people could pay nightly, like, night to night, so that they would have a place to stay. Not clean. Very scary. Very sad. There are my notes. It was multiple people in a room. You, you rented the bed. Um, and people would make whatever the money they could during the day to be able to sleep there at night. Oh. So they'd leave, they'd save, they'd work for the day, and then they would either like use that on alcohol and something to eat, or sometimes just the the bed. With that, as a way to make money, there were a lot of sex workers. Um, a lot of women women turned to sex work to be able to afford enough money to sleep in these houses. I read somewhere that there were like a thousand women who were prostitutes in Whitechapel itself. And that is the story of all of the women in our, in our tale here. The canonical five. This is what people and experts term the five women we know that were murdered by Jack the Ripper. However, it is important to note that there were Six other women that they think so, think not. It's up for debate, like a lot of this story. One of the ones that's really highly debated is who his first victim was. Oh, okay. And people go back and forth with Martha Tabram. She was murdered in the early hours of August 7th, 9th of 1888. She was stabbed 39 times. That's a lot. Around that. In her body, in her neck, in her throat in her lungs, all like literally all over her body from like head to her genitals. She was stabbed. She was lying on her back, exposing her lower half and indicated laying in the sexual position. However, there was no evidence of any funky thing going on over there. And I'm not fully sure why she's not considered the first victim. Okay. But I guess because there's not enough evidence. The debate is there are a lot of similarities to her murder and the murder of the five women that we're going to talk about. Let's talk about the sweet babies that that were murdered. So the first victim that most people agree on is Marianne Nichols. She 
was found on Friday, August 31st, 1888 at 3.40 a.m. in Bucks Row, Whitechapel. She was last seen around like 2 a.m. by her roommate, Emily Holland, and she was walking in the direction of Whitechapel Road. She was found bloodied. Her throat was severed by two deep cuts, one which completely severed the tissue down to her vertebrae. Ew. He took the knife, shoved it in her neck, and then he slid it. Ugh. Which takes a lot of strength. Yeah. In my opinion. In my, not that I have ever stabbed anybody. <laughs> but if you think about it, that's a lot of like force yeah. being put onto a body because he was able to sever the tissue all the way down to the vertebrae. Like she wasn't upside down. I th- she was, her face was to the sun. You know how people like have like issues with certain things? I think mine's I'm so like, sorry. neck things now because. Okay, good. The, and that's why we drink story. Like I think two weeks ago had mm-hmm. knife stuff in the neck. Mm-hmm. Can't do it. For me, it's kneecaps. Anything to do with knees, I'm running away. Projectile vomiting. Thank you very much. Yes. I will scream. I will crawl out of my skin. Also, her vagina had been stabbed twice. Oh. Her abdomen was partly ripped open, causing her bowels to protrude. Some of the wounds in like the, her abdomen, things like that, had been inflicted in a downward thrusting manner. Okay. So he went like, whoosh, like you would do an axe. Like you just, wacha. Well, I'm really hope, glad no one can see me because I look crazy. So good. Good. So next up we have Annie Chapman. She was also stabbed in 1888. She was found on September 8th, which was a Saturday at 6 a.m. She was found in the back, near the backyard of 29 Hanbury Street, Her throat was also severed by two deep cuts. This time, her abdomen was cut entirely open. Okay. It gets worse. Great. Hit me. Like, really, like, if you're listening to it and, like, you thought you could handle it, like, I just, just prepare yourself. It was cut entirely open. The flesh from her stomach was placed upon her left shoulder, plus another section of skin and flesh. Her small intestines had been removed and placed on above her right shoulder. Great. Also, on top of that, her uterus, her bladder, sections of her bladder, and her vagina had been removed. So he literally, he stabbed her in the throat. And it, it sounds like experts can all agree that he would asphyxiate the women and then stab them. Hopefully she was already dead before her throat was cut. But he took the time to completely, like, disembowel her. Yeah. Completely disembowel her. That is kind of why they think that Mary Ann Nichols was the first, because it shows, one of the reasons why, because it shows his progression. So the last, Mary's murder was, like, less bad, if we're going to speak in interesting terms. She wasn't as mutilated as Annie. This happens a lot where with serial killers where the first murder is could be a couple of things. Them seeing if they can get away with it, them seeing if they like it. Because in some cases, killers have an idea of how they want the murder to look, how they want to feel, things like that. 
this was like a small taste to him of what he could do. And since he got away with by partially ripping open Annie or not Annie, excuse me, partially open Mary, he was like, oh, okay. Got it. Mary, you're in for him. She was seen last on outside of Hanbury Street around like 5.30 in the morning. Another sex worker, Elizabeth Long, had seen her standing with a man around that time. He was described as being a man with dark hair, wearing a brown deerstalker hat, a dark overcoat, and kind of a shabby genteel appearance. appearance. Very nondescript, which is part of his, what we think and what the FBI thinks as his like murder description. He was able to be in the shadows. He knew where the shadows were. He was able to slide by without anyone noticing him. He's very nondescript. According to Long, the man had asked Chapman the question, will you? And she replied, yes. Will you what? Great question. Well, Annie was also a sex worker. So the thought is maybe they were just trading information. Okay. Okay. So the next two are Elizabeth Stride and Catherine Eddowes. Experts describe these two murders as the double event. And that is because they were both killed in the early morning hours of September 30th, 1888. Elizabeth was found on September 30th, around 1 a.m. She was found also in Whitechapel. The cause of death was a single clear-cut incision to her neck and measured about six inches. It severed her left carotid artery and her trachea. Again, a lot of fucking force. There was an absence of any more mutilations to her body. So some people were like, was she really a ripper victim? But people believe that he was interrupted during this killing, which is why everyone thinks for the most part that he murdered Catherine Eddowes 45 minutes after he murdered Liz. Elizabeth was last seen. It sounds like between late September 29th and the beginning of September 30th. So probably either, I think sometime around midnight is what it sounds like. Several witnesses informed the police that they saw her in the company of a man, but there were different descriptions of this guy. Some say that he was fair. Others said that he was dark complexion, that he was shabbily dressed, but others said he was well-dressed. So I think that's interesting too, because, you know, that's a difference of opinion. That's a difference of opinion. They, you know, it's objective. What one person thinks is well-dressed Another person may not, depending on who you're asking, which just furthers the question of who this guy actually is. Catherine Eddowes was found around 45 minutes after Elizabeth. She was found in Mitre Square in the city of London. So like a little bit farther from Elizabeth. Her throat was severed. Her abdomen was ripped open by a long, deep, and jagged wound before her intestines were also placed on her right shoulder. So this seems to me, this detail, which part of this, I believe, is from, like, Wikipedia, but this detail makes me think that he was extra angry. Yeah. Right? I'm thinking, if I think that, then other people who are more experts than I feel the same way that he was angry because he probably got interrupted during 
Elizabeth's murder. But it's worse. The left kidney and a major part of the uterus were removed. Great. Her face was completely disfigured. You could not recognize her if you knew her. The police surgeon who conducted the postmortem of her body basically stated that these mutilations would have had taken at least five minutes to complete. Okay. I mean, yeah, but I I don't know. I feel like at least 10 minutes. We might get into this a little bit later, but some people think based off of, and I believe these are in some police reports that based off of all of the incisions and the way that these women were killed, that he had some type of background with surgery or um, being a doctor or something that deals with cutting people open. So if you're used to doing this, it's like just with anything, it takes practice, you get faster at it. If you're knowledgeable about the human body and the way it looks when you open her up, it could take you a short amount of time. I get that. Good thing to note is that there was, she had a shawl and DNA was left on it. Oh. Mm-hmm. As a description, in this instance, a local cigarette salesman had passed her square with a couple friends like shortly before the murder mm-hmm. and they had seen who they believe might may have been Catherine with a fair haired man with a shabby appearance from my deduction. It was some type of white guy with shabby ish clothing. So the last murder was Mary Jane Kelly and she was found on November 9th, which was a Friday at 10 45 AM. She was discovered lying in a bed in a single room, I believe was probably one of the DOS houses I was talking about, off of Dorset Street. She also had her face, quote unquote, hacked beyond all recognition. Her throat was severed down to the spine, abdomen emptied almost of all of its organs. Ew. Her uterus, kidneys, and one breast had been placed beneath her head. Okay. Other viscera from her body was placed beside her foot, about the bed, and sections of her abdomen and thighs were on the bedside table. Her heart was missing from the crime scene, Claire. (gasps) Where'd it go? He took her heart. Oh my God, what kind of Snow White shit is that? Wild. My God. I'm sorry I screamed that, but I just want everyone to know how I can stomach a lot of things. Okay, I have just seen the worst of the worst, some of the worst things when it comes to child abuse. I've seen, I've watched many criminal minds, many a, a crime documentary, listen to podcasts and I that are crime related, yeah. which helps, which weirdly like helps me go to sleep. When I was listening to it, like this podcast, I, ha- I had to stop eating my food. I actually had to take a break from this, which, you know, when I like, that's bad. Yeah. <laughs> That's fucking nasty. So we see from now to the beginning, the first victim, he is escalated to what I believe is how he felt was the perfect murder for him with Mary. I believe he probably thought that that was, that was it. That was the pinnacle. Thank you. Yes. That was a pinnacle murder for him. I mean, and that makes sense because he was also inside for that one. Yes. He was, which was different from all the other murders. Yeah. So he could be more methodical and take his time. Yeah. Gross. 
when we talk about Jack the Ripper, I feel like this is one of the first times we really talk about the M.O. of a serial killer. Mm-hmm. Now, we've mentioned M.O. before. However, do you know what that means? Sure don't. I'm about to tell you, lady. So, M.O., Latin, is modus operandi. Method of opportunity, a particular way or method of doing something, especially one that is characteristic or well-established. So, we know that his method was offering to pay for sex, would lure his victims into like a secluded or a secluded space or street or DOS house Mm -hmm. somewhere around there in a poor area. So Whitechapel was considered. And then he would slice their throats. It's been said that he gave himself that name. When thinking of the term Ripper, that has some age association to it. So generational meaning to it so ripper is a person who rips a person who dissects or mutilates their victims when we're thinking of the name jack the ripper we're like okay so ripper is a person who just destroys a human body jack it sounds like back then and still now is a pretty common name yeah it's because this guy likes to blend in jack is a normal is a quote-unquote normal average name Nothing of suspicion. We all know a bunch of Jacks. And I think it was like a sense of control. You know, it, I think with this name, this is just my opinion, he was making fun of everybody. He's mm-hmm. like, I am in the shadows. I'm one of you. You will never know who I am. But I tear people apart. Yeah, so mutilations, increasingly severe. We go from Nichols not missing any organs to Chapman's uterus being cut out. Eddowes had her uterus taken and then Kelly's heart was taken. Like, what the hell? <sighs> so historically, we all believe that these five murders were committed by the same perpetrator. And there's documents which link them kind of all together. Okay. Um, so now we go into who did it? Who could Jack the Ripper be? Who could he be? Because it's been so long and eyewitness accounts back then, everything is just so different now than it was back then. It's just all of those things. I don't know if we're ever really going to know who it is. We can, I think we can speculate for sure. I'm going to go through this list of men and then kind of tell you who I think might have done it. People report that it could be Montague, John, drew it the main person who thinks this was him was actually one of the london detectives on the case the ripper murders ended after mary kelly and around the same time they ended montague committed suicide oh interesting fact some say that he was and i quote sexually insane i'm not really sure what that means okay like when i was reading through strawberrytours.com that's something that they said. I've read that other places as well. I don't know what that means. Pretty interesting. He was born in Wimborne, Minister Dorset, and he was a schoolmaster at some point. Many experts believe he was behind the murders, as they believe that Jack the Ripper was a Whitechapel local. Okay. And Drew had lived a couple miles away. 
and he was also seen in that area during those murders. So on November 9th, 1888, his body was found floating in the Thames. Now this was around like six or seven-ish weeks after Mary Kelly was murdered. They believe his death was a suicide because he had been on the bottom of the river for a few weeks. Yeah. But I don't know if that is detailed enough to believe he's the murderer. I mean, it's like possible. Right. And it's interesting as I go into this, I'm not going to mention everybody that has been success suspected because there are so many. And when I was reading through the Wikipedia on all the potential suspects, some of them are just so outlandish. I'm not even going to mention them. At least in my opinion, they're outlandish. Re- there's reaching and there's, sweetie, you, you're on another level of reaching. So yeah, I'm going to purchase some more names. I hope everybody is ready. I sure am. Good, as you should be. So there's Carl Fagenbaum. (laughs) I have a a professor that was uh, named Carl. Okay. And so I just pictured if Carl was lying about his last name. And Carl's like an emo. Not emo, but like had gauges and wore like vests and stuff. Carl, I'm going to need you to tell me your last name. Like your Mm -hmm. real last name. Yeah. Show me that birth certificate, Carl. Yeah. That's amazing. Sometimes people call me Carl. It's kind of fun. It's a little fun fact, but it shouldn't be a fun fact. <laughs> okay. Anyway, I'm going to keep going. Okay. So, Carl was a bad guy. <laughs> no matter. Ah, uh, Carl was a bad guy, no matter what. If he was Jack the Ripper or not, because he was known to be a psychopath who has confessed to mutilating women anyway. Alrighty. Like his lawyer thinks that he was Jack the Ripper. Interesting. My friend, when your lawyer who gets paid to defend you thinks you're Jack the Ripper, it's over. There are records that prove that he was in Whitechapel working on all the nights of the murders in London's East End. He and his coworkers were also often seen near brothels. In 1980, sorry, in 1890, I'm bad with numbers. Fun facts. He he immigrated to America. So there's immigrating and immigrating. What's immigrating? It's, I had to look this up because it's been a while. So immigrating is moving to another country, like settling in, and then what have you. It sounds like immigrating is permanently moving to a country, becoming a resident, resident there. That's my understanding. He might have immigrated in 1890, but in any aspect, that year, he was convicted of murdering a woman by the name of Juliana Hoffman. He went to the electric chair oh. for that, and experts stated there were striking similarities between him, his murder of Hoffman, and then Jack the Ripper's murders. I think he confessed because he was convicted to the electric chair anyway, and I don't know, I didn't go into more research about Juliana's murder or the aspects of it but that control over women that mutilation of women that sexual piece is part of the mo of jack the ripper i believe next up we have aaron kosminski Alrighty. he was a polish jew born sometime between 1846 and 1860 no 1864 and 1865 
and settled in London in like the 1880s. All righty. Conveniently around the same time as good old Jackie. At the time of the killings, he was around 23 years old and believed to have a poor grasp of English, all of those things. All right. Something to mention. He was a barber. So back then, you, you, you barbered people. <laughs> yeah. You cut people's hair with sharp objects and you used that good old shaving knife to shave people. A razor? Quiet. <laughs> You don't want to hear it. He used a razor to cut people's beards, right? So it reminds me of Sweeney Todd. Yeah. Seeing similarities. I hated that movie. We can talk about that at some other time. But that one made me vomit. In July 1890, he was admitted to, they call it the Old Town Workhouse, which seems like um what we would consider like a psychiatric facility today. And he was only there for a few days, but he was admitted again in February the following year, claiming that he had been exhibiting threatening behaviors with a knife towards women. He apparently had a strong hatred of the women's. So much so that he had homicidal tendencies, which therefore landed him in an asylum in 1889. Oh, alrighty. He was around age of 53 when he died he actually died of gangrene in the leg you know what gangrene is when the things die gangrene is yeah when the things die you are right it's dead tissue caused by infection foul thank you mayo clinic for your facts this affects the toes fingers limbs and can affect muscles and organs it can be treated by antibiotics it requires urgent care it's rare now. It's so rare because we have the means to not get infected. The silent part is important for people to know when when thinking about. At various times, he was a, a, was described as being extremely deluded and morose. He was difficult to deal with. He had a lot of delusions. He was incoherent, apathetic, excitable. He was quiet and had clean habits, but he was not there completely basically nope. so going back to the shawl cat edo's shawl they've been able to test that piece of cloth his mitochondrial dna was found on her shawl oh on september 7th 2014 a dr jari lo helen an expert in historic DNA analysis, which is so cool if we talk about it. Sorry to be so loud, but it's so cool if you're an expert in historic DNA analysis. It's one thing to be an expert in DNA analysis. That is very hard. You have to be super intelligent. I have a friend who is an anthropologist and she is so cool and so intelligent and she's just so smart. So I always think of her when I think about DNA analysis. He, so he does this. And he states that the first strain of DNA showed a 99.2% match with the victim. And um, there was all on second standard test, they achieved a perfect 100% match. So you're probably wondering, how the hell did they do this? They obviously did not have Catherine herself's DNA. Yeah. Like locked up in an ice somewhere for over a hundred years. Right. Right. What they did was... They extracted DNA that matches female line descendants of Edo's and female line descendants of Kaminsky's sister from the shawl. Oh. 
Isn't that so cool? That's wild. So that happened in 2014. There was some criticism because they felt like it had not been peer-reviewed by other scientists. People seemed to get a little butthurt because, with fairness, yeah, because it just seemed like, did you not have anyone look look at your findings before you sent her out there for the world to see? Yeah. So again, in 2019, the Journal of Forensic Scientists published a study announcing this this DNA from cells from the shawl, um, as well as samples from the maternal relations of the suspect and victim. This study conducted state inclusion that the presence of the D- of the MT DNA on the shawl matches the female victim's DNA, and that the DNA also shows that it matches the suspect's DNA. Wow. It's really cool. There were also police documents where they had suspected Kaminsky. His name comes up a couple times in different places. I don't think at that time that they had any they had any proof. There is some debate over this DNA stuff. It has to do with like limitations of the DNA tests that were used. Like our our pal Dr. Jari could only recover the genetic signature from the mitochondrial DNA. Yeah. Rather than nuclear DNA that serves as a unique identifier. Okay. And that's from NBC News. NBC News kind of talked about it too. Also something important to note, Aaron was of a slight build due to like his diet, oh. things like that. Well, witnesses describe the Ripper as like an older guy and bigger. There's way more. So there's also Francis Craig, who was Mary Jane Kelly's husband. Oh, a lot of ripperologists, so people who like study Jack the Ripper and who seek to undercover the identity of the murderer think it may be Francis. He was a reporter at the time of the murders. He covered the police courts and inquests on the Whitechapel murders. Some people thought that tracks so much. Some people also thought that this guy was quote unquote mentally ill. Okay. More specifically, they thought he had some type of schizotypical personality disorder. All right. He lived around just like five, ten minutes away from the first murder scene. In 1884, married Elizabeth Weston Davies, who is Mary Jane Kelly. They think that he found out his wife was a prostitute, and that's why she went undercover under a pseudonym, and he started plotting her murder, but disguised his wife's murder by murdering other prostitutes before her. Okay, anyone wanting to vomit yet? No? Okay, cool. So, great. Next guy, Walter Sickert. Okay. Okay. Immigrated with his family to London in 1869. Got it. A person, a person, an author, Patricia Cornwell, decides to write a book called Portrait of a Killer, Jack the Ripper, Case Closed, which I think in my mind is pretty pretentious, but I'm trying to figure out why that makes me feel so angry, angered inside. Maybe it's just because I think people shouldn't say definitive things unless they know. She pinpoints this Sigurd guy as the real Jack the Ripper. People as far back as like the 1970s think that maybe it was Sigurd. He was known for painting prostitutes some believe he put clues and symbols and things like that to about the murders into his artwork. Um, they also suggest that they are so similar to the crime scenes that only the true murderer would know that could have painted them, which is like, is fine. 
but then again we go back to like that's heavy that's heavy speculation which yeah. all of this is but that's a reach the funny part which is not funny but funny to me is that they also believe that Sigurd was impotent okay Do you know what that means can't have kids Mm-hmm. After having several surgeries on his genitals. Oh, okay. Ow. LOL. So he, they think that going back in our brains to murderers, serial killers, the like, there are different types. And so that fall into categories. So some people think that it was sicker because being impotent. So there's that sexual piece. And then you look at the mutilation of females genitals and how he might have felt mutilated by those surgeries you know there is this like question of who jack dripper is yeah and what his what his life looked like before he killed and was he a psychopath so some some theories state that he may have had a weird relationship with his mom whether it be she would bring in men like she was a sex worker herself she would bring in men and like he would just have to be there and knowing how the 1800s were just a really dark time and housing was small Mm -hmm. you know a lot of times people had to share the same bedroom like they had just one room houses things like that maybe he saw things that he should not have seen as a as a small chicken nugget yeah or there's a theory that he had like weird sexual feelings for his mom. And so by murdering these women, he was like fighting that, fighting that in some way. There's also a theory that it was a woman, which I do understand in a little bit, but don't think it was a woman. And here's why um, that it's that uterus piece. Yeah. That I think would make people believe I haven't looked into the woman theory very much. This is just my own reasoning in terms of that argument. Because that uterus part, like if the like if that woman may have been un- infertile, yeah, taking that uterus was a sign of taking power back for her own. So to speak. yeah, there's also just the the thought that it was completely for control, which there is a level of control in this. No matter what way you look at it, he needed some type of control over a situation, and this is what he did. Yeah, um, and then people think could it be his environment. Could it be his upbringing or is he just a psychopath? So now we go into a tangent of psychopaths versus sociopaths. Because I think we need to clarify the difference. Yeah. Right? Because I get confused even. I looked at a couple different places for this. I looked at psychology.com. I looked at Healthline. And here's kind of what, what it seems like. So... A psycho, a person considered a psychopath is a person suffering from chronic mental disorder with abnormal or violent social behavior. A sociopath is a person with a personality disorder manifesting itself in extreme antisocial attitudes, behavior, and a lack of, of conscience. Sociopath is sometimes used to describe people with antisocial personality disorder, people who can't understand others' feelings um, that uh, often make or often break rules or make impulsive, just maladaptive behaviors and personal decisions without feeling guilty. Yeah. Um, they use mind games to control friends, even anybody, and they may be perceived as charismatic or charming because they okay. know how to do that. They've had to fake it till they make it. They're 
seems to be no technical clinical difference between the two terms. Um, Healthline states that they're, like, they're used interchangeably um, with each other. A sociopath may be someone who makes minor transgressions that don't seriously harm or distress people, but a psychopath may be described as someone who's physically violent and puts people in danger. So psychology today kind of goes more into that and says like people, individuals whose deceitful behavior is shaped primarily by environmental factors, sexual or child abuse or exposure to other behaviors than others is more so like sociopathic, but psychopathy is an inborn and immutable. So they're born with it. So okay. sociopathy based off environment, psychopathy based off of, let's just say for this genetics. Sure. Psychopaths are more likely to commit acts of violence than people termed as sociopaths. But because like they, like it's such a spectrum and it's such like a, it's such a line in between, it's kind of, it's still difficult for people to kind of choose one. Yeah. So the writer, the author of Case Closed, yes. um, says that they found mitochondrial DNA on several of apparently letters oh. that Jack had written. But there wasn't just, and they think like, but there was just not enough efforts, uh, evidence to prove that. Um, Sickert passed away in 1942. They believe he took many secrets to his grave. Then there's names like Sirwin Klosowski. No. Okay. Sirwin Klosowski, also known as George Chapman, no relation to our sweet little Annie. He had poisoned three of his wives. Um, and he had been actually working as a barber on the time of the Ripper murders, but that his MO of, of poisoning does not fit with Jackie O. Um, there's also Michael Ostrog. He was a con man and used many aliases. He's also from Russia. He was mentioned as a suspect by one of the people who joined the case. Um, but they, and he, nobody found like, they like failed to find evidence to prove anything. Another notable person is John Peitzer. Okay. Another Polish Jew, quote unquote, worked. He was a bootmaker working in Whitechapel. A lot of people suspected him early on. Okay. Um, they called him Leather Apron. Ew. <laughs> Which is so fucking gross. He had a prior stabbing conviction or offense. Police also suspected he had like committed a string of minor, quote unquote, minor assaults on prostitutes. After murders of Marianne and Annie, like they arrested him, even though they had no evidence whatsoever. He was cleared when it turned out he had, he actually had two alibis for the murders. Okay. He had murders. He had murders. He had alibis for two of the murders he actually like what did he do he like tried to sue the police chief it was just a big thing but okay no we we, we don't think so those are really the big i ones. mean those are kind of the big ones there's there's also mention of like charles ellen lechmere also okay. known as charles cross he was a meat cart driver and so that's one of the reasons why since Jack the Ripper was so good at hiding in the shadows and, and mm-hmm. blending in, had blood on him as a notable meat cart driver would not have seemed a big deal at all. Right. He 
had actually found Mary and Nicole's body. So Lechmere called somebody over, another person, Robert yeah. Paul is the name, when they found Mary Ann, and no blood was visible. It was visible, so they ran off. But by the time a constable found her, there a pool had formed around her neck, sure. um, suggesting that her the cut to her throat was fresh um, when Lechmere and Paul were present. He had also weirdly refused Paul's suggestion to prop her up. Huh which would have made it instantly clear that her throat was cut. Um, Also, like, neither mentioned hearing anyone else in Buck's Row, which had no side exit. So it was just, like, one main row. Like, a row. Like, it really was just a row. Yeah. Her injuries were hidden under her clothing, even though all of his other killings, like, their organs were literally everywhere. Yeah. It's theorized that he killed her, was going to start mutilating her body, and then Paul appeared. Interesting. So he showed to, like, that he discovered the body. Yeah. The double murders, so of Elizabeth and Catherine, occurred on a Saturday, which was his only night off from work. Oh. Liz was was killed, like, near Lechmere's mother's house. And then it gets worse. The direct route... From the Shrites murder scene to the location of Edo's murder, followed a path to his route to work. Oh, okay. Mary Kelly was also murdered on his route to work. The time frame in which she could have been killed matched his route, although the day she was killed was a holiday. Okay. He grew up in a broken home, mm-hmm. never knew his biological father, had two stepfathers. Okay. Had a lot of instability growing up in different houses. That can really, it's interesting because people might not think about this, but if you move a lot or if a child has to move from their safe space a lot, like let's consider the safe space, like their room, then, then that can cause some, like that can cause some trauma because they don't feel stable. It's, it's really stressful and they're always on edge. Like you're always like, when am I, and then you don't want to make friends you don't want to get too comfortable because you're just going to have to go through that pain and grief again. Again, they, people just reiterate that, that the fact that he was covered in blood anyway because of meat, like, could have, he could have gotten so easily away with it. The last person yeah. mentioned is James Maybrick. <gasps> Who I'm going to talk about. Claire is going to take over and talk about. I'm going to be talking about today the diary of Jack the Ripper. The- okay book okay and how james maybrick became a suspect great our story begins on march 9th 1992 okay when literary agent doran montgomery received a call from mike barrett saying quote i've got jack the ripper's diary would you be interested in seeing it mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and just one year later on october 7th 1993 The book, The Diary of Jack the Ripper by Shirley Harrison, hit the public. So let's start with Shirley Harrison. Who is she? How'd she get involved in this? Who is she? So The Diary of Jack the Ripper is her most famous book. So I did find this kind of like weird website that ended up being very helpful called casebooks.org slash index.html. Okay. The website's called Casebook Jack the Ripper. Okay. 
on this website, she did kind of like a blog type interview post where the runner of the site sent her the questions Mm -hmm. and then she wrote her answers. Okay. This can be found under the authors tab of the website. The book is dated January 3rd, 1997. That's over a year before it was born, fun fact. What what year were you born again? 98. Oh, it's a little baby. Okay. Yeah. Cute. So kind of the main point that she had on in the book is that she was invited to write the book by her agent, Doran Montgomery, and being asked to write this book was her first involvement with Jack the Ripper. Okay. And the case. Okay. This blog was published soon after the second edition of the book was published. And on the blog, Shirley is quoted saying, I am as convinced personally of the diary's authenticity as I have ever been. Okay. Nonetheless, I shall continue research to support and prove my belief. So she's in it. She believes the diary is real. And she also said that she believes the diary is authentic because after 100 years, no one has solved the murders. Okay. Which that's not really using critical thinking. No. No. Absolutely not. But okay. Okay. It's It's okay. To each their own. It's fine. Yeah. After the book was published, it was seen almost immediately as a hoax, but sparked a great debate. And people do believe the book's authenticity. Okay. I didn't read the book. Because I found this like lucky. I don't really read books, man. I need to be good, better about that. It's all right, babe. Yeah. School kind of ruined that for a minute. Yeah. So this diary never mentions a suspect by name. Let's start with that. And it does provide clues and references to imply that James Maybrick was Jack the Ripper, though. Okay. James Maybrick. Yes. Was added to the very long list of suspects. Okay. He was not seen as a suspect until the diary was published. Okay. He was a cotton merchant in Liverpool, which Liverpool is a train ride ride away from England or Mm -hmm. from London, so it's not close. In 1871, his business required him to move to Virginia. Okay. And in 1874, he contracted malaria. Right, yep. Mm -hmm. Arsenic was used help his malaria okay he became addicted to arsenic by 1880 he had to move back to the home office and move back to britain okay on the trip back he met florence chandler james was 42 and florence was 18 teach their own but come on teach their own man in 1881 they were married and moved back to liverpool they had two kids together james split his time between America and Britain and had several mistresses. Okay. And Florence was also having affairs. Mm-hmm. And in 1889, so that's a year after the Ripper cases, right? 1889? Yeah. It's like right, it's right in there. Okay. It's right smack in the middle. So in 1881, his health deteriorated very quickly and he died 15 days after he got sick. You said 1881? 89. 89. Okay. I thought I heard eight. I was like, well, that's different. <laughs> okay. Okay. We're good at numbers, I promise. Yes. Pretty much. His death was suspicious, if you will. Okay. And it was determined that he died from arsenic poisoning. Dun, dun. Nice. Florence was arrested and charged with his murder. 
and sentenced to death. As one does. As one does. But there was a debate about if her trial was fair, her sentence was commuted to to just life in prison, and ultimately the evidence leans more towards convicting her based on the Victorian standards because she was having an affair and not Mm -hmm. really the evidence that she was poisoning him. And Mm -hmm. like I said, he was addicted to it, so it could have just been like an OD situation. Mm -hmm. But yeah. So he kind of had an interesting life. Once I read that he was poisoned by his wife, I was like, ooh, intrigue. Can we blame her? No, we sure can't. Mm -mm. Also, it's likely she didn't poison him. Just men got mad she was having an affair and convicted her. Mm -hmm. So kind of why he is a suspect. The diary uh, makes reference to a surgeon, and that is something that reportedly James went by. And around the time the diary was discovered, a pocket watch was also discovered in 1993. So I saw two different reports of what that pocket watch was inscribed with. One being Jack J. Maybrick and the initials of the canonical five victims. Mm -hmm. And the second was J. Maybrick and I am Jack and the same five initials. So interesting. But experts say watch could be real or it could have been faked by someone that knows what they're doing so just like joe Smo couldn't fake the watch yeah but if someone that knew what they were doing could fake it so at some of the ripper crimes apparently there were the initials of fm okay found and people believed that was in reference to his wife and it proposed that jack's motive for killing the women was okay. revenge for his wife's affair he also had knowledge of the area of London where the crimes were committed. There are also rumors that either him or his brother could have been the serial killer, the servant girl annihilator, that was active in Texas between 1884 and 1885. Okay. Uh, that person murdered eight girls three years before the Ripper's occurrence, which that's a lot in one uh, yeah. Busy guy. Mm-hmm. So the diary is a 9,000-word handwritten confession signed, yours truly, Jack the Ripper, and was dated May 3rd, 1889. The diary takes credit for the five victims that are attributed to Jack, as well as two other murders that hadn't been identified as Jack's victims. The diary describes the death in gruesome details and facts that only the police or the killer could have known, which again gets back to a little bit of a reach. Mm-hmm. and i don't know if only the police or the killer would have known it and it's being written you know or being discovered over 100 years later like no one's gonna know if it's the truth or not <laughs> I just have no words so mike barrett the guy that called the publisher had obtained the diary from his deceased family friend named mr tony devro and mike got it from tony in a pub which man i miss i miss a pub oh i cannot wait to go back to one. Oh, God. and like london pubs are so good but mike was a former scrap metal dealer and was unemployed at the time the diary was discovered mike's wife Anne claimed that the diary had been in her family for as long as she can remember but then Anne said she gave the book to tony to give to mike to inspire mike to write a book all right. Okay. When she was asked why she gave the book to Tony instead of her husband directly, she said it was to prevent her husband from asking questions to Anne's estranged father. Okay. What? Which 
I it's just weird yeah okay like that does not it does not check out no no and it was also reported that she her like motives to give him the diary was because of his literary dreams mm-hmm. so in 1997 Anne and Mike are divorced eventually Mike confessed to dictating the journal to his wife who then transcribed it but then he eventually withdrew the confession mm-hmm. and kind of removed himself from the spotlight so because of the debate around the journal's authenticity it prompted testing yeah uh, the tests that were performed to see if the paper, the ink contained, oh boy, uh, chlorosatamide, I believe is how you pronounce it. Okay. I, look, I did look it up, but then I forgot how I learned to pronounce it, uh, which would positively date the diary to the Jack the Ripper Times. And six tests were done. The first three tests just were to establish if chlorosatamide, okay. that is not even right. Uh, okay <laughs> and i'm gonna go with it sure to see if the chemical was widely available during the diary the time the diary was written so first they had to confirm if the chemical was could have been like widely available at that mm-hmm. time and then they decided that the chemical would have been available as early as 1857 the fourth test was to establish if it if chlormastide was present in the document mm-hmm. The fifth test was to decide, was a control, and the sixth test found no traces of that chemical in the document. Okay. So kind of okay. not definitive saying it wasn't written during that time, but it doesn't positively date it to that time. Okay. One of the biggest skeptics of the diary was Kenneth Randall, and Kenneth was struck by the handwriting, and to him it felt more 20th century than Victorian. And he also noted factual issues in the diary in addition to the handwriting issues. By 1995, Mike had sworn in two different affidavits that he was the author of the diary and that it had been dictated by his wife. Yep. 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 However, his lawyer said, no, 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 those affidavits aren't it. Which, that's a lawyer defending him. Because I'm guessing Mm -hmm. he... I'm guessing the publishers would have gotten mad at him. Mm-hmm. Now, Robert Smith, don't know who that is, couldn't find any more information about him. That's a basic name. So he's the current owner of the diary. And the publishers kind of may, of the original book maintain it could be genuine. The more sources I looked into, the more I found kind of conflicting reports. Mm-hmm. And according to the blog casebook that I mentioned at the beginning, yeah. There's a quote on it saying, outside of a few dozen isolated Ripper fanatics, no one really is debating the diary anymore. The general public and academia have moved on to greener pastures. Okay. And that's the story of the diary of Jack the Ripper. Yeah, I was doing a little, like in my research, a lot of people like mention him, like I'm looking through my notes. And it seems the consensus is that it was fake, like those, that was probably faked. Yeah, I mean, you know, with everything, it could be real, but nothing's ever confirmed it. And I kind of lean on the side that, you know, a guy that was unemployed at the time that had literary aspirations saw it in and took it, which I don't blame him. I don't blame either, but. It makes me laugh that the author of the book 
vehemently defends the authenticity of the journal. Like, okay, sis. Okay, sis. That's fine. No one solved it in a hundred years, so of course the diary's right. Of course. Yeah, and it, I mean, sure, he had knowledge of the area, and it isn't too far, but like, I don't know. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense, especially after you listed a lot of those victims, or those suspects. Mm-hmm. Who do you think did it? The last one you said, but something about the first guy you said, Montgomery, I think mm-hmm. was his name. Mm-hmm. For no real, I don't know, my gut's telling me Montgomery. Mm-hmm. Who do you think? I think part of me feels like it might have been Aaron. I think it was maybe Aaron Kosminski. Gangrene guy? Gangrene guy or... <laughs> Um, God, his my money is really on that guy. Yeah, or um, him really, or Charles Leshmere. Who's that one? The who found the first oh. victim's body? Yeah, that's a little shush. So, yeah, but you know, I like I said, all of those things and like what you just talked about make me feel like like we're never going to know, really unfortunately which it's like sad of course but like it's sad that it was never figured out while the killer was still alive because we'll never have like real answers about like why he took body parts and why they were so violent and what I mean the interesting part that I want to know like an answer about is why he placed what he placed on the body you know Mm -hmm. why he rearranged it that way I think that he was something happened, you know, it could, and this is where I say it could be a mixture. Obviously there's some sexual aspect with that because of just the overwhelming amount of evidence with the female mutilation, the stealing of the organs, specifically the uteruses. um, And the fact that all of these women were sex workers Those three things, like, that was a main component. So it's wondering, like, is there, like, what happened? Did he just hate sex workers because it was a sin against the beautifulness of waiting till marriage? Was it, like, I mean, come on. Like, it's just so, was his mom a prostitute sex worker and he hated her because of it? And so that's the reason why he killed all those women was he in comp like as he did he not have a dick and so he was mad and wanted to take it on everybody else like there's so many different options here yeah it's a case that i know a lot of people cover it Mm -hmm. but it's one that is very i feel like i actually don't see it as much in the podcasts i listen to but it's represented a lot in media which i think is interesting traditional media Yes, yes, yes. But yeah, so, did, did a good job. So yeah. I don't know. Oh, thank you. So did you? It's really interesting. Y'all should let us know who you think because it's a it's a story for sure. Yeah. Who it may be. Thank you to the people that left us reviews on Apple Podcasts. They were really yes. sweet. Sweet. Write us a review. They make it make us really happy yeah they make they we like 
cannot even handle how sweet the reviews have been. Yeah. They've just been so kind. Yeah. Shoot us an email. Message us on the Twits or the Twitters mm-hmm. or Instagram. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Link tree is L-I-N-K-T-R period E-E slash BF Guide to M-M where you can find all of our social medias, our website, links to where we listen to the podcast if, if you want to explore. Someone listens to our podcast on an Amazon Alexa. Good for you, sis. I want to know who you are. Who you are. I have questions. I think good ones. Answers. Yeah. I mean, we want to start trying to know some of the faces between faces of boy oh boy did I lose my train of thought there me too my head hurts my head hurts <laughs> okay so we're gonna go take some ibuprofen and take a nap we'll see you guys later be good stay safe and wear a mask wear a mask <laughs>